What up, HyperChange? Starlink is coming. Today we are talking about SpaceX's satellite internet service, Starlink, which was rolled out into a beta um, last year in 2020, has been expanding. People have been saying they love it. We've been seeing these really cool alien futuristic looking uh, boxes and uh, Dishy McFlatface, I believe I'm saying that right, uh, the, the little satellite dish, and people are installing it. They're saying they're getting 150 megabyte per second uh, download speeds, really promising early results for SpaceX's satellite network. So today I want to dive into you know, how many people are using it, how fast is this going to expand, um, as well as the potential IPO of Starlink and the valuation and financials of the company. And as much as we think Elon Musk is like kind of late on timelines and, you know, these things seem so far out, like I remember hearing about Starlink, you're like, oh, this crazy satellite internet service, like how long is that going to take to launch? And now they've slowly and steadily been making progress. At first it was like a couple hundred satellites um, in the sky, then it was 400 or 500, and that's when they started prepping the beta launch. Now they have about 995 satellites that they've launched as part of this Starlink program. They're launching about 60 more with um, every single rocket launch that they can squeeze these satellites onto. Um, so SpaceX eventually wants to have over 10,000 satellites in the sky, up to like 42,000, I believe, um, to really have this truly global satellite um, internet service. And what's so different about Starlink than other satellite internet services you may have heard of before is it's low Earth orbit. Um, so it's actually going to be much lower to the Earth, and this has a chance to make it much faster and have lower latency and more of a competitor um, actually to fiber. But the interesting thing about that, I think Elon Musk has said that like every single other satellite internet company or low Earth orbit satellite company has gone bankrupt, or this is a really hard business to get work to work, um, but SpaceX is still trying it anyway. Um, so that was a funny kind of Elon-esque joke, but the reason why SpaceX is in such a unique position uh, to be able to uh, launch and, and do this product, the satellite internet, like never before, is because of their rocket technology. And that's what makes Starlink so fascinating, is this is the first business we've seen SpaceX build on top of that core reusable rocket launch technology. You know, when Elon set out to build SpaceX, he was like, okay, we're never going to go to space as if we just have to blow up a rocket or it blows up every time we have to use it and we have to build an entirely new rocket. Like, that was the status quo. Reusable rockets, even by Boeing and Lockheed Martin at the time, were like, that's crazy. That's never going to work. And so Elon, of course, uh, the GOAT makes it all happen, makes rocket reusables, make the, the cost of launching things into space, you know, an order of magnitude or more cheaper. And this enabled so many more businesses. Like if it's so much cheaper to launch satellites, um, then you could launch way more and then it might make more economic sense. You wouldn't have to charge as much. Um, it becomes economically feasible to do this internet service. And so as much as this seems like a different consumer internet business, you know, how is this part of SpaceX? It all comes down to that reusable rocket technology. And that's why I'm such a so, so fascinated. I'm actually, you know, full disclosure, a SpaceX investor myself. And one of the th reasons I got so excited about it is because, you know, going to Mars, um, building the railroads to space is a really exciting business. Um, and you're getting government contracts and stuff, but it's like, okay, is that going to be in the near term, have a really good financial payoff? Are we going to be able to fund going to Mars with that current launch business? Um, you know, are we going to be able to run that at a profit? I think that was too difficult. The real kicker for Starlink is that it's the consumer business to drive billions and billions of dollars of revenue in the near term that can fund Starship on um, the actual development of that crazy huge rocket and start funding these massive cargo trips to Mars, which is the true purpose and long-term goal of SpaceX to colonize the planet. There was this leaked Wall Street Journal article a bunch of years back that showed that Starlink was actually projected to generate way more revenue and operating income um, than SpaceX's launch business, and that it was going to be the main financial driver of the company's success, justifying this huge valuation. That's what investors were getting so, so excited about. So um, that's one of the reasons I invested in uh, SpaceX. I was like, the first application um, that's really financially viable in the near term is so, so exciting and a huge catalyst to drive massive value and increase the value, uh, the overall valuation of SpaceX, which 
currently owns uh, Starlink as a subdivision company, but there's rumors that they want to spin it out and actually IPO it themselves. This is something Elon Musk has mulled on Twitter. Um, the idea to spin out Starlink as basically an IPO of its own company, um, SpaceX would still keep some ownership of it, or that's how I think it would work. Actually, I'll just say how I think they should do it. Um, I think this is a genius move, and I've made some videos about this before, for SpaceX to spin out Starlink and use it as the ATM for Mars. What's even better than using that subscription revenue to fund your ambitions to Mars is using a price sales multiple on top of that subscription revenue and getting 20, 10 or 20 or 30x bank or who knows what multiple in this market bank for your buck. This is why I think this is such a genius move for SpaceX and Elon Musk because it's so important that he retains ownership in the core SpaceX company. He's right around a little over 50%, I believe. And you know, if you want to keep focus on that really long-term goal of settling Mars, you do not want to keep diluting your ownership um, by funding Mars. It's going to cost tens and tens of billions of dollars. Then Elon doesn't own as much. Then we stop going to Mars because other suits get involved. So that's what they're trying to avoid. And IPOing Starlink solves all of that because they can IPO Starlink, they can keep the ownership of SpaceX as its own thing, they spin off Starlink, and they only have to spin off a tiny amount. Like imagine if you sell 5 to 10%, uh, or let's let's call Starlink's valuation $20 billion, and you sell 5 to 10% of that, let's call it 10% at first, in this initial little IPO, that's $2 billion of capital raised that goes to SpaceX, yet we still own 90% of Starlink, and now it trades. As we execute and Starlink grows, the valuation of Starlink grows, and we can keep selling off little chunks. So it literally becomes SpaceX's ATM to fund Mars without diluting that core ownership entity or that core entity where Elon is the main owner. So in this way, I think it's a genius move um, for SpaceX to do this. And especially with the current conditions of the capital market, Tesla stock soaring. I mean, the valuation to me for Starlink when this thing hits the actual public market is probably going to be like 50 or 100 billion, even if it's at the size it is today, because people are so excited about Elon and the growth potential of this. I mean, the, being the first company to get the truly satellite internet to work. So now let's talk about if it works, because that's what I've been hearing that gets me so excited is through the grapevine, people are installing it and they're setting it up. They're like, first of all, if you watch the, there's a ton of awesome YouTube videos out there, super easy to install, so simple. You just plug it in um, and set it up. It takes five minutes now. They're trying to get it down to three minutes. And so I think it's super, I love how the SpaceX, this is their first real consumer product, is taking a page out of the Tesla playbook, simple, beautiful design. I mean, this thing looks straight up from the future. Like it's so cool. It has one little simple blinking light. It literally looks like aliens designed it. I mean, who doesn't want this thing? So 500 bucks for the upfront cost is pretty steep. I gotta be honest, that was more than I was expecting, but I guess that's all for the setup, all for the equipment. And then it's a hundred dollars a month after that. So I thought that was pretty expensive, honestly, especially because the, the, the vision for Starlink has always been a little confusing to me. You know, is it for rural areas? That's what they say. Like, we want to connect people who aren't connected. Well, how are we going to connect people that aren't connected who usually have lower income if it's going to be a $100 a month service with a $500 upfront? Like, I think there's a meet in the middle there where uh, Starlink is actually going to be a really powerful, really good competitor to fiber, almost as good performance. Um, and then the price will come down a little bit from that $100 a month. Um, actually, I think probably dramatically um, over time, but we'll just see. Um, but it looks like these early people who are getting the service love it, think it looks super dope. And even way more importantly than that, the performance is incredible. We're seeing consistently over 150 megabytes per second. Um, but to kind of play devil's advocate for that, my internet here in Seattle, um, you know, I just signed up for Comcast. Like I'm getting like 400, I think I'm paying for gigabit, a thousand uh, megabits per second, but I'm getting 444 download, 32 upload. So that's still, I think, way better than Starlink would give me or significantly better than Starlink. But to be honest, that's like faster than you need. Um, I still think 150 megabits per second, you're still streaming HD video from multiple devices. Um, that's gonna get your basic internet needs done. 
But I'm also very curious of like, when more and more people have Starlink, how is that congestion on the network going to impact the performance um, of the speed? Because my understanding is, is as more people go on, we're going to have to keep adding more and more satellites, which they're doing. But I think the amount of people is going to scale way faster than satellite growth. As people per satellite increases, I wonder what that will do to the network performance. I think that's something SpaceX is actually testing right now. And that's why they've been so slow and sort of secretive and careful about this rollout. So now let's talk about the size of Starlink and you know the valuation um, and what that would mean for the potential IPO. To start, I put this really, really simple financial model together, which is just literally like, it took me two seconds in a spreadsheet, but I, I put a lot of thought into it um, about how they could expand. But keep in mind, this is a total guess. Um, but I just kind of wanted to put pen to paper to see how fast the ARR, annual recurring revenue in billions of dollars will scale for SpaceX. This is what they're going to get valued on the public market. I mean, Elon Musk said when they IPO that they're going to IPO once they start getting it into the wild, recurring revenue and customers and have a lot more insight into that. To me, the scary part is, and this is why I wanted to make this video right now, Starlink is coming because I was like, wait, like we're already in the wild. People are already talking about how dope this is. It was literally like I was with one of my friends yesterday and we're talking about how, you know, he knows somebody who got Starlink and they're referring it to all their neighbors. They're loving it, even though they're paying that, you know, $100 a month. So I was like, it's one thing to hear about it on Reddit and to read the tweets, but to like hear your friends through the grapevine be like, bro, like I know a guy who knows a guy who has Starlink and it's so like, like I'm hearing the excitement bubble up and I feel like this is here. Like even from the consumer standpoint, um, my guess is there's about a thousand people that got the beta in 2020. I think that's probably an underestimate, but that's what I put in my model here. Um, so a thousand subscribers in 2020, and I think they're going to really rapidly expand um, that deployment here in 2021. To, uh, so I have them growing to about a hundred thousand total paying subscribers by the end of 2021. Um, and I have that monthly fee dropping to $90 a month. I don't know. I'm just assuming a compression of ASP um, just because I assume they want to make it more affordable, but that's just me guessing. That gives you to a 110 million annual recurring revenue by the end of 2021. Um, and if you think about that, like, you know, the price sales multiples we're seeing in the market for some of these stocks, 30, 50X, you know, 50X, 111 million, that's $5 billion in revenue. Um, and I actually think Starlink would justify an even bigger premium than that. So I think the valuation of Starlink is to me right now, today, if you put like, if you're like, Gally, you have to give us your deep down intrinsic value of, of Starlink. Um, I think it's 50 to 75 billion is like if I, you know, had a huge amount of capital and I'm managing money and I want to invest in Starlink, I would price this at 50 to 75 billion and I'd be buying hand over fist um, under that valuation because I think the net present value of the cash flows of a business that could be the global, you know, and eventually galactic internet service for all of humanity uh, is a multi hundreds of billions of dollar problem, maybe trillion dollar problem. And so I think if you risk adjust the reward, they're still early, but it's definitely working. They have the SpaceX technology. Um, and then to me, the kind of X factor of Starlink is how much future innovation is in Starlink. Like why I love Tesla and Elon Musk companies is because I'm getting an, uh, you know, a basically never expiring call option on Elon Musk, the greatest inventor of our era of all time, maybe um, on what he's scheming up next. And that's why I invested in SpaceX and Tesla as my two business biggest investments because I'm like, I want to see what this guy meant. So is Starlink just going to be a spin out and consumer service and just really be boxed into what it is as an internet service? Or is this still going to get some of that magic innovation sauce from Elon? Um, I think it's going to be somewhere in the middle. I think a lot of the core innovation will stay at SpaceX, but I think Starlink is going to have huge innovation. I mean, there's space is a forcing function for innovation at, you know, how many innovations came off the moon and the space race? Like there's so much potential out there for massive innovations. It's, it's 
It's this unprecedented forcing function on innovation across so many different industries. And I think satellites are a fascinating example of look at Starlink, they have to build a ton of these satellites, build a ton of these uh, dishes. That's why I think a collab with Tesla actually makes a lot of sense. I do think if I was going to raise money for Starlink and there was like no lawyers involved, I would be like, we should take money from Tesla. Tesla's cost of capital is like zero. Tesla could fund it with a couple billion. Tesla shareholders get early access and exposure to Starlink. Tesla can help them with the manufacturing. Tesla, greatest manufacturing company on earth. If we're going to need to build millions of satellites or not tens of thousands of satellites, but millions of terminals, millions of dishy McDish face or whatever, and the, and the alien looking box, Tesla might be able to really help with that. Additionally, there's a huge, huge untapped synergy here um, in, uh, uh, I got to give a Twitter shout out to this guy, Andrew, because it was incredible, this this idea that um, I, I didn't realize that satellites have incredibly efficient solar panels on them, like the cutting edge of solar panel efficiency, because you're shooting that satellite up, up into space has to like float around and drive around with, you know, these solar panels on it that have to be super light and efficient and can propel it. Like it's almost like a little Tesla that drives around, right? So, but in its own way for space. And so the I think there could be a ton of innovation that Starlink has with solar technology. Um, and imagine if they have the solar roof. To me, Tesla's perfect product to just, you know, be get all of this innovation that's coming in the solar cell space and solar manufacturing space, which is a, being forced by that forcing function of space exploration and Starlink. So Starlink is at the cutting edge. They're not using the same panels as Tesla's solar roof, but you see how those worlds could meet. And so, I don't know, this is just kind of one crazy train of thought, but I think there's a ton of synergies this is why the idea of uh, the Elon Musk X holding company is so fascinating because there's so many across the company, you know, weird, like, it's like, okay, we're complicating the structure of Elon Musk's empire even more by IPOing Starlink. And it seems like that will make it more friction um, for collaborating and innovating and doing R&D, which is not a good thing. But I think if anybody can solve that, it's Elon and his team. Um, and that's probably what they're thinking through right now. But anyway, I'm getting totally sidetracked. We gotta get back to the projections. So a million units in 2022, scaling from 100,000, gets us to almost a billion in annual recurring revenue with that price drop to $80 a month. And um, just to put things in context, I found this excellent Tasmanian article, which sums up an August 2020 sp uh, SpaceX like FCC presentation, some really good gems in here. I'll put a link below. Um, but they were saying that um, in the first couple of days, nearly 700,000 people in all 50 states signed up just to say, I want the beta. We were probably all one of them, you know, but um, so almost a million people were like, I want it instantly. My guess is 10 or 20% of those will pay whatever price, you know, SpaceX is pretty fairly priced, but hundred bucks a lot for most people, but I'm guessing a ton of people, those people can pay for it. Interest is huge. Not a dollar for marketing, not a dollar for anything. How many ads do you see for internet, for Comcast, for this, for that? I even was Googling this and now I've been targeted with like all these satellite internet company ads or whatever. So um, SpaceX and Starlink have zero marketing, incremental marketing costs that they're going to amortize to their consumers. Huge advantage there. But they're already, the FCC has approved them for a million satellites um, and that's going to, they've already ap approved that. So that's a million like dishes, a million customers potentially approved already. And I'm not having them scale that to 2022, but they've already put in a thing uh, with the FCC to basically say, we want to hit 5 million, uh, eventually get approval for 5 million terminals. Here's another data point. They are building about 120 satellites a month, but that was in August, 2020. Time back to Tesla. It sounds like manufacturing of these satellites is a pretty important metric uh, to follow as well, but 120 a month, they're already scaling that. They can, that's 
probably about as fast as they can launch them, um, maybe even faster. But as that scales, I mean, we're already almost at a thousand satellites. I think we quickly get into the multi thousands of satellites. It'll take two to three, four years before this is fully deployed, full global coverage. But I don't know. That's kind of how I'm backing into my assumptions here. Total guesstimates, but a million people by the end of 2022. I think this is probably much lower than SpaceX's internal goals. But I think also a lot of this comes down to how many star, uh, satellites they can launch, how many people they can have per satellite. Um, and then I have that scaling to 4 million by 2023. Still not up to that 5 million approval. And remember, 2023, we could have pretty much global coverage of Starlink. They're already applying to launch it in a bunch of different countries. So I don't know. I think this seems very doable, but 4 million subscribers paying an average of 75 bucks a month. That's $3.6 billion in ARR. So you think about a late 2021, early 2022 IPO, looking at 2023 revenue of three to four or 5 billion, uh, or that run rate on the horizon, you think of a 10, 20 times multiple on that three to four or 5 billion runs rate. Like we're getting easily into a $100 billion territory valuation just in, you know, 18 months from now looking ahead or even 12 months from now looking at the next 12 to 18 months. So um, I think Starlink is already in the millions of dollars of revenue run right now or quickly getting to that scale, soon tens of millions, very soon hundreds of millions. Um, potentially by the end of this year, I think they crossed the $100 million revenue run rate threshold. That's very feasible. Um, and if they're on track to do that, then we're on track to do billions in revenue. And you know the valuation is tens of billions from there. So anyway, my point backing this all up is Starlink, um, I've actually been telling, I think SpaceX is extremely undervalued, at least in the funding rounds. You know, I think I bought in at 38 billion plus all these fees and then it being like 42 billion valuation. I thought that was way too cheap. Um, and I think there's going to be an acceleration in SpaceX's valuation curve because of what's happening in the public markets, the awakening where people are just putting more value on innovative uh, R&D tech companies, which I think is fair. You know, innovation has been significantly underpriced in the public markets um, for decades. And as innovation has increases, that gap of mispriced um, in the public equity markets has only increased. That's what Kathy Wood's saying. And that's why uh, these companies, you know, old academics are left scratching their head because they don't realize the value of innovation because they can't put it on a spreadsheet and it hasn't been priced in the financial markets, but that's slowly happening. Um, but anyway, SpaceX to me, like I said, all, you know, SpaceX, they're going to go to Mars. They're going to do that and create a hundred new companies, a hundred new startups just by forcing themselves to go to Mars. Like I said, that forcing function of innovation could not be understated. And so I think SpaceX, um, even though you're looking at a couple billion dollar launch business, but then the full ownership of this Starlink business that could be soon worth 50 to hundred billion in a couple of years, to me, SpaceX was a no brainer at 50 or 75 or even a hundred. I think SpaceX's fair value right now is 125, $150 billion valuation. They floated on the public markets, probably 350, 400 billion. That sounds ridiculous, but that's true. That's the Elon Musk effect is real. And I think part of it is rational. Innovation is um, significantly underpriced. And I think SpaceX has so much of that. And you think about Starlink is just the first application on top of reusable rockets, asteroid mining. I don't know. That could be a joke, but what else will SpaceX do um, with that technology hub? I mean, Starlink is a potentially $100 billion company that is on top of that core reusable rocket technology. What comes next? My guess is it's not nothing. And so I think SpaceX is supremely underpriced. And I think they have to, there has to be some sort of change in this incremental level up of valuation dilution. Like they're going to, you know, they're in their head. It's like, we're compounding at 30, 40, 50% a year. We'll just run these auctions at those prices. We can pick and choose our investors. But I think that trajectory of market cap appreciation should be bumped up significantly because of what's happening to Tesla and the public markets. Um, and the demand is there, frankly. And so I think if SpaceX was going to raise, I don't even think core SpaceX should raise any capital anymore. If they IPO Starlink, they could IPO Starlink for 20, 50, 40, 50 billion in a year or two um, and get a few billion in cash. That's SpaceX 
accessing his next funding round, I almost think we're at the point where the Starlink ATM can literally start funding almost all of SpaceX's capital needs. Maybe that's been calculating it wrong, super back of the napkin, but I think the biggest breakthrough there is that instead of using Starlink's revenue and profit, we're using a price sales valuation multiple on top of that revenue and profit by floating Starlink into the public markets. So why I'm getting back to the end of the point of this rant is it's, I love this because it's an incentive for it's going to be a win for Tesla or win for Elon, win for SpaceX to, to spin out Starlink. And it's going to be a win for all of us because we get to access this, you know, incredible asset and we get to invest in it. And we, ha you know, it's been so we can't invest. It was took me forever to invest in SpaceX. You have to be an incredible investor. It's impossible to do. And everybody wants to. And so there's this huge pent up demand. And it's crazy that the world is stars are linking like this, but to me, it is in perfect, it, it accomplishes the goal of funding Mars without diluting Elon's ownership and lets it open up. Um, and I just think this is epic. So I see a true uh, reason and incentive for the Starlink IPO to happen. That's why I do think it will happen when the time is right. And it seems like the time is right once you start getting that foreseeable, consistent revenue, growing subscribers, which is already happening. So this is extremely exciting um, stuff. I would love to know what y'all think in the comments below. Starlink, you know, are you hearing that it works? What are you hearing about it? How fast do you think it's going to expand? What do you think of my model? Oh, to end my model, I have 25 million subscribers by 2025. That's 20 billion in ARR. You put a five times multiple on that. We're also at 100 billion. Uh, and this is just 25 million people. That is just a fraction of, of society and humans. And if you think about, you know, yeah, it's not going to be as fast as fiber in some cases, but it's going to be almost as fast and we don't need it to be as fast as fiber. We don't need 8 billion people to use it to get a hundred billion valuation. You just need 25 million. So um, I still think there's a mosaic of internet approaches that are the right internet approach for the future. There's going to be fiber that's going to have market share forever. Comcast is, or not forever, but like Fiber and Comcast and AT&T are not going away, but they've just got a new competitor. And so competition breeds innovation. This is so needed in the internet space. We know how about the customer services. Um, but I think, you know, the expectation for Starlink to dominate the world and to be the internet for everybody that's faster than fiber instantly, um, I kind of want to temper those expectations because that's not going to happen. It's going to take a lot of time for this to roll out. It's going to be slow and steady. We literally need to launch every single satellite up in the sky. That takes a while. Um, and it's going to take a lot of money. And then we need to make sure we're adding people to the network at a rate that doesn't overwhelm the capacity. And so my biggest question that I would I would uh, pose to Starlink, and if I was investing in this or looking at this at the valuation is, how many people can the Starlink, uh, can this constellation handle at what speeds and how fast can we roll that out? Because that's going to dictate everything with the valuation. If it's a wall at a million, then we're screwed. If that wall's at 10 million, um, you know, I don't know. I just, I just have no idea how much bandwidth can go on these satellites. But I think 150 megabits isn't Wow, you know, it's not fiber speed, and this is still with almost no one on the network. Like a thousand satellites today, okay, we'll get to 10,000 satellites. That's only a 10x. I think our users are going to 100,000 x in that time, and that will be the interesting stress test to follow here for Starlink. This is Hyperchange. Would love to know what you think in the comments below. I'm going to keep um, making Starlink and SpaceX content because it's hyperchanging like so many industries at once. Anyway, see y'all next time. Peace.